you know, when I moved into that tiny apartment, everybody was like, what's your problem? You're, what, you're crazy, you're nuts. They were laughing at me. But, you know, 10 years later, no one is laughing. Hello, and welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 30. Today's show is all about learning how to downsize and organize any space. My guest, Felice Cohen, became famous when a video of her 90-square-foot Manhattan apartment went viral on YouTube. Despite suffering a panic attack on her first night in the loft, Felice quickly found that living small had massive benefits. But you have to know the answer to the question, what is your why? I really like this episode because we talk not just about the outer game, like tips and techniques on how to downsize and organize, but we also talk about the inner game, how to get past the criticism that you may face from others when deciding to downsize or live in a tiny house. And whether you're new to the show on this episode or you've been listening for a while, I just want to say thank you for being here. Just a reminder to hit subscribe so you receive a new episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast each week. I publish a new episode every Friday morning, and you won't want to miss them. So again, search for Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or maybe you're already listening in one of those apps and you can just hit subscribe. All right, now let's hear from my guest, Felice Cohen. All right, welcome to the show. Author and motivational speaker Felice Cohen's newest book, 90 Lessons for Living Large in 90 Square Feet or More, came about after a YouTube video of her 90 square foot Manhattan studio went viral. 90 Lessons is a self-help book motivating others to live large in any size space. She's been featured in a documentary on tiny living as well as on Good Morning America, Fox 5, CBS, Sirius, NPR, and many more around the world. She writes the blog Living Large in Any Space and has been a professional organizer for 20 years. Felice Cohen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ethan. Happy to be here. So I was hoping that we could just start off with uh, your story. How did you end up living in 90 square feet? Yeah, well, I had been uh, working a very stressful job. I was chief of staff to the President Hunter College and I had also been working on a book about my grandfather, who was a Holocaust survivor, and he got cancer, and he said, come on, please finish the book. And I knew I couldn't finish the book if I was still working at my crazy long-hour job, so I decided to quit my job and give myself one year to finish writing the book, and I was able to do that because I found this tiny apartment where the rent was low enough that I could use my savings but not blow through it. And um, I found the 90 square foot apartment through a friend of a friend. And I planned to only stay one year. And then uh, I figured I'd finish the book, get another job in a larger apartment. Got it. Yeah. So you moved in thinking that it would be, you know, just something that would be maybe uncomfortable, something that you would suffer through to finish this book. But then you ended up staying longer than you thought, right? Yeah, this was 2007 before there were any uh, tiny house TV shows, tiny house festivals, living tiny wasn't a thing. And everybody thought I was nuts. And I said, look, it's just for a year. That's my uh, that's what I want to do. But the first night I had a panic attack because I had a um, a loft bed with just a few inches when I was lying on the bed between my face and the ceiling. 
And I remember thinking, this was a horrible mistake. And I, I was freaking out. And I had a friend staying over because I thought I'd fall out of the locked bed. And, and I'm lying on the floor. I climbed out. I was just lying on the floor of the apartment. And I thought, you know, how am I going to get out of this? And my friend said, Felice, why did you decide to live here? And as soon as I said to write my grandfather's book, it was like all the anxiety went away. And I realized that was my why. That was why I had decided to live tiny. And I never had a panic attack after that. And I ended up loving it. So at the end of that year, when I was asked if I wanted to stay again, I didn't even hesitate because my lifestyle during that year just changed dramatically. Um, you know, my stress went down, my happiness went up, I had more time to write and ride my bike and do the things I love to do. That's something that I hear over and over again from people who they decide to live tiny for one specific reason, you know, be it financial, usually financial, but then they end up seeing this whole range of benefits um, that they weren't expecting. I'm curious if there's what was the biggest unexpected benefit that you saw from from that big downsize? Um, I didn't miss all the stuff I thought I needed around me all the time. Um, you know, I grew up in a huge house on uh, Cape Cod in Massachusetts, and my, I had two closets in my bedroom that together were almost 90 square feet. And I always had big space, and I always thought I would live in a big space. And I realized all I needed was just, you know, the space around me just with my immediate things. And I would rather be able to have less stress and less time working some crazy job and more time, you know, riding my bike or writing. And, um, that was, that was the best. Nice. So you've been a professional organizer for, for 20 years. And I'm curious, what is your definition or what, what do you do as a professional organizer? You know, what I really do is I give people more time to do the things they love to do. So I come in and I help people get rid of stuff, organize their stuff, remove clutter. And I say I give them more time to do the things they love to do because, you know, one of the things that eats up so much of our day-to-day -day life is the stuff around us. You know, we have to clean the stuff, move the stuff, organize the stuff, and we have to work to pay for this stuff. So by kind of eliminating some of that stuff and or creating better systems for the stuff so we can find things quickly and easily, then you have more time to do what you love to do. So do you have a, a kind of Felice Cohen's process for, for organizing? Do you, have, do you have your own process that you go uh, through with clients? Yeah, the process is you got to laugh through the whole thing because it's not easy for people to get rid of stuff. Um, as you know, you know, I mean, you've, you've downsized. And it can be a struggle because we're consumers and we spend our lives collecting things. But, you know, I think it's important I kind of reiterate the reason why you're doing this. And I say, you know, why did you call me? Why did you want me to come in and help you? And I help, I help them focus on that reason. And as we're going through stuff and we're going through 70 pairs of shoes and getting rid of some and, you know, and, and I remind them that everything they donate is going to help someone else. And that's, that's big because it's hard to let go of stuff. But if you know you're helping someone else, most people, children especially are okay with letting something go. And I think it's just reminding them of, you know, focusing on the end result of what they want. That's great. And I, I've heard, I've heard mixed things about professional organizers. I, I feel like I've heard that some professional organizers are just, just help you like organize your clutter and, 
help you, you know, come up with better storage systems so that you can put more crap into your life. And it sounds like you are kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, my first step, you know, and I always tell clients before I come is don't buy any more storage solutions like totes and stuff, because my first thing is always what can we eliminate? Um, you know, what can we get rid of? Because we don't want to organize extra stuff. And I, I say getting organized is as easy as one, two, three. And the first thing is toss. And then the second thing is organize the stuff. And the third is put away. So we want to see how much we can get rid of first and then create solutions for it. And oftentimes, you know, some, I had friends who had a two bedroom and they kept all the extra sheets and blankets for the second bedroom in this closet in the kitchen. And I said, when you have guests and they might need a, another blanket, you should keep those in the closet. So we're also kind of looking at the big picture at all the stuff that's remaining. And then we're kind of finding better solutions for it. Nice. Yeah. And, and going back to what you said about how we're all consumers, I couldn't agree more. And it, it's a constant struggle, as I'm sure you remember, even when you have limited space, you never lose that, you know, marketing, the, the power that marketing has over all of us, you know, it really just makes you want to buy stuff. And my latest way of combating that is, is I ask myself, is this removing a negative in my life? I like that. Yeah, that's, that's, I have to credit that to, there's this uh, financial blogger named Mr. Money Mustache, who kind of is one of these extreme frugality financial independence guys. And I heard him say that on a podcast and I've, I've adopted it. That's great. So we have met in person several times at various tiny house festivals and you give out, um, you sell your books there and they're awesome books. And you also give out a little bookmark that has five tips to start downsizing right away. And I was hoping maybe we could share those with, with the listeners. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, I have a lot of tips and, and the reason I do these simple tips is because people are overwhelmed with organizing. I mean, I can go into a room, a garage, anything, and just begin. And for other people, it's very hard. So I like to make it simple to make it easy for them. So um, the five simplest are, uh, you know, if I ask you, can you get rid of five things today? It could be, you know, a Tupperware missing a lid. It could be old socks, a sock with a hole in it, just five things a day. And I ask everyone this, and they all say, yes, I could do it. And I say, can you do that every day for a week? And then I say, that's 35 things. And that's a good chunk of clutter gone. And this could be stuff you throw away, donate, you know, always have bags for donation going. And once they start, they say, well, I just got rid of five things. It took me, you know, less than five minutes. Let's see, maybe I can do five more. So it kind of um, sneaks up on them and it gets them motivated to begin. Another is rolling a pair of dice. And I used to just do this with kids. And we'd roll a pair, they would roll a pair of dice, whatever number they got, that's how many items they had to get rid of or, or throw away or donate. And um, it makes it like a game. Um, my mom loves this. You can go from room to room and roll a pair of dice or just do one shelf or something. And, um, you know, what happens if you get uh, doubles, I always say roll again. Um, the third is setting a timer. We all have a cell phone. There are timers on all our phones. Think of where your energy is, how much energy you might have. Maybe you can do it for an hour or just 20 minutes or longer or whatever your level is and set the timer and then start to organize maybe one shelf or one room or one pile. And once the timer goes off, stop, you're done. Now what often happens is 
you are into it, you keep going, but you think that was easy, you know, and maybe I want to keep doing more. But the reason that the timer helps is that, you know, we get overwhelmed thinking I have to spend my whole Saturday organizing this. But if I say I'm only going to do it for an hour, you realize that that's, it's not as overwhelming. Another uh, tip is having a friend help you. You know, maybe your partner or spouse or just a friend or a sister. Um, I always have a sister help me because a friend will um, keep you motivated. You know, while you're kind of going through stuff, they can bag it up. Plus, you can share a story about something with someone. And maybe one day they help you and another day you help them. So it's really a sharing thing and it makes the process more fun. Uh, Another one is once you've gotten rid of a lot of clutter. You know, you've, you've done it, you're in, you know, you're in charge of your space, it's streamlined, it's clean. The next, you have to really be ruthless when you go shopping. You know, you have to ask yourself, do I really love it? Do I really want it? Do I really need it? Or am I just getting it because it's on sale? And the answer to that really should help you. If you really love something, then get it, if you can obviously afford it. If you need something, absolutely. But by buying something when it's on sale or because you know you get one, buy one, get one free, sometimes you don't need it, and it might just add extra clutter to your space. Those are great tips, and they all fit on a bookmark. It's amazing. If you were approached by a client who was specifically interested in downsizing to a tiny house, say going from, you know, like a 1500 square foot house down to a 200 square foot tiny house. Would you approach that any differently? Or would it would just kind of be the same, same process just on a bigger scale? I think I would approach it from the other direction and say, here's your tiny apartment. What do you absolutely need in that? And let's pull out what we need first what we absolutely want to have in that space and then add to that space. And then whatever's left over either gets put in storage, donated, tossed, as opposed to trying to just downsize and maybe start the other way. That's a great suggestion. And I feel like I get asked this and I, I'm curious to hear what, what advice you have, which is just, I guess for me, even though I was downsizing and getting rid of a lot of stuff while I was planning and building my tiny house, it still didn't prepare me. You know, I still had to get rid of more when I got into it. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on how to, how to better prepare or how to just really figure out how much you need, or can you not really know until you're doing it? It's probably a little of both. I think, you know, you, you know what your final is going to look like in the space you have allotted Um, and clothes take up a lot of space and everything takes up a lot of space. So I think if you start with the things you absolutely need and want and, and really kind of keep it to a minimum and then slowly put those things in. And if, if you, if you you still don't have enough room, you're going to have to eliminate things. If you have more room, then you can go back to your original pile and pull one or two things out. But, you know, I think realistically, you have to know how much space you have. I mean, closets in tiny homes are small. Um, you know, layers are a great way to dress. So maybe you say, I only need three t-shirts and three button down short shirts and, um, you know, one vest and a couple of jackets because it's stuff adds up quickly, the space. Yeah, absolutely. And 
correct me if I'm wrong, you're not living in 90 square feet anymore, right? No, I haven't been in that space in about five, six years. Okay, but you're still living pretty tiny. I am still, um, my apartment is about 450 square feet. So it's five times bigger than the tiny space, but I, um, swore I wasn't going to fill it with stuff and I haven't, I mean, I'm still constantly checking my space and what can I get rid of every day? So what, what do you think is now filling up that extra space? If not more possessions, is it just additional furniture and just more room? Uh, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's more space. I have a, um, I have a kitchen living room, you know, an open concept and I have an Island that, uh, is where I work and then it becomes my meal area. And, um, and I love, you know, working everything here. When I have parties, everybody stands around the Island. Um, and it's really kind of the hub. And then I have a, it's a one bedroom. So in my bedroom, it's really the, my bed and, um, a shelving unit. Okay, so it sounds like it sounds like a tiny house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little bigger than a tiny house, but it's um, yeah, it's more space. Nice. Are you continuing to write? I am. Yeah, I've got a uh, third book coming out soon. Is it about tiny living, or is it on a different topic? It's a different topic. It's a personal memoir, but I feel like it's the third in the tr- in a trilogy of the books that I've written. Um, you know, my first two books, the one about my grandfather, who's a Holocaust survivor, I wrote that book only I was able to finish that book because I moved into that tiny space. And so that was the impetus for moving in. And then the second book, The 90 Lessons for Living Large, I wrote as a result of the YouTube video going viral and of living in that space, which I would never have done if it hadn't been for my grandfather's book. So my third book, it's a personal memoir. It's about kind of a coming of age after college and figuring out what you want to do with your life. And it was during that time I started organizing to pay some bills. And I had started really working on my grandfather's story then. So while it's kind of figuring out uh, life after college, it was also kind of the seeds for these first two books were, you know, unknowingly planted. I like that, how they all fit in together. Yeah. So I, in preparation for our interview, I I went back and I watched the the video of you um, that Kristen Dirksen did that has you know over twenty million views now, and you look exactly the same like ten years later. So congratulations, whatever you're Thanks. doing is working. Um, but also, I I happened to scroll down and look at the comments, which I know you should never do, but I was. I guess my question is, how do you deal with all the haters? I mean, the comments were so unbelievably mean and negative. Yeah, uh, definitely one. Uh, don't don't read them. But, you know, I, I talk about this when I go around the country and speak at tiny house festivals about why people are so angry, some of them. And I'm not telling anybody in the video to live tiny. All I'm saying is how great it was for me. And how it changed my life and how it gave me, you know, more opportunities for so many things that it and it opened my world and my grandfather's book sells around the world. And I think why people are negative or upset is because this, this tiny house living kind of turns the American dream on its head. You know, we're told to have a big house and fill fill it with stuff, electronics and books and toys and clothes and all this stuff that we really don't even use. 
And we know how quickly that American dream can turn into a nightmare if, you know, you miss a mortgage payment or, you know, the car needs fixing, the kids need braces, how quickly you can get underwater with that house and be, you know, stress. And the stress is what really makes us sick, what ages us. Um, and I think people don't want to hear maybe they're stuck in a huge house or they don't like um, their situation that they thought they had to be in. We're all trying to one up the Joneses next door. And, you know, when I moved into that tiny apartment, everybody was like, what's your problem? You're what you're crazy. You're nuts. They were laughing at me, but you know, 10 years later, no one is laughing. And, you know, there's obviously comments about the loft bed and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, for me, it changed my life and there's no way I would do anything differently. Yeah, that's great. And it's just, I think you really nailed it there that it, it just goes against what people have been working towards or what they've thought that they wanted. And then you kind of are confronting them with this completely alternate reality. Did you face a lot of um, skepticism or negativity from your friends and family when you decided to move into the 90 square feet? Yeah. I mean, my parents were concerned for safety. Um, they thought, oh, it's a fire trap. Oh, how are you going to get out of the bed? And, um, you know, and that was part of my panic attack the first night. Um, but then I installed, you know, a bar on the side and one on the top to get in and out quickly. Um, you know, I'm in shape. Luckily, I can get up and down easily. And then, you know, friends thought I was nuts and they came over and it was a fifth floor walk up. So that was, you know, added to it. But a little by little, when they saw me out on my bike or doing fun things or writing or finishing my books or writing blogs or um, just having time to travel, and they thought, wait a second, what are we doing wrong? And, um, you know, I never told anyone, you should try living tiny. All I ever said was how beneficial it was to me. Um, and, uh, and then they really started to see it. And now that there's this tiny house, you know, community and TV shows they realize there's something there. Yeah, it's really become a movement, which now that kind of does the work for us because people get exposed to it. Although I definitely hear, you know, at the festivals, especially people saying, I've never seen one of these in person. I've only seen them on the shows. And there's so much, um, there's something about seeing them in person. They don't, they simultaneously don't seem as big, but they also don't seem small. Like when you actually get in the space. Absolutely. And I think they're only getting better, these tiny homes, um, with utilizing the space, utilizing every nook and cranny so you can fit, you know, more in. Not that it's a ton more, but it's it's wise space so you don't feel like you have to give up every possession. Absolutely. Yeah, I've definitely I find myself uh, enviously looking at the latest tiny house designs and saying, why didn't I think of that? Like, <laughs> it's so obvious to see it now. Yeah, would you consider building a new one? Um, I don't think I would build another house on wheels because the I'm not really using the fact that it's on wheels right now. Um, you know, I've been renting the same piece of land uh, basically since finishing building it. And so I really haven't needed to move the house. So if I was going to do a, a new tiny house, I would try to to buy some land and do a house on the ground which then you can kind of do some different things like, 
you know, you don't have to make it this long, skinny rectangle. You can make it a more square layout, which I think works a lot better in, in certain ways. And you can use heavier materials. And, you know, there's there's a lot of advantages to building on the ground uh, that you miss out on on wheels. So one thing that I like to ask all of my guests um, is what are two or three resources? So, you know, like books, movies, people, just uh, what are two or three things that inspired you along the journey that, that you wanted to share with, with our listeners? Uh, the first and foremost is my grandfather. You know, I, I wrote that book um, for him. And, uh, you know, that first night when I had the panic attack, I remember as soon as my friend asked me, why do you want to live here? And I said, to finish my grandfather's book, I had thought of what he had told me of living in eight different camps and surviving for five years of being hungry every day of escaping death every day. And I thought, you know, he inspired me to be able to live there and to not, you know, not have any more anxiety about this little tiny space. Cause I realized this tiny space was paradise mm -hmm. compared to what he had, had been through. Um, so that was definitely one of the things. Um, you know, I think, what else inspired me to live there? Um, just wanting to, you know, just accomplish something. Um, I think being in New York, the city itself was motivating because everybody, a lot of people come to New York City to, you know, quote, make it here. And you know, everybody was doing it and people are achieving their dreams. And I thought if, if other people can do this, then I, I can achieve my dreams, whether it's going to be a huge success or not. It was the city itself, the energy of the place of wanting to be here and wanting to be part of this fabric of the energy of this space uh, motivated me. Um, and actually, there, there was a book that I, I read called Keys to the City, and it was a it's by a a locksmith and every chapter was bought was about a different client he came in contact with. He did emergency uh, fixing people's locks. And at first years ago, when I first started organizing, I thought I would write a book about all the clients I've had, you know, whether billionaires or supermodels or rock stars or hoarders. And, um, you know, that book kind of motivated me. And then my book ended up being something different, but I remember kind of holding on to that idea. Nice. Well, I wish I could play you out with New York, New York, but I'm sure that uh, I would get copyright violations like very quickly. Felice Cohen, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. This was great. Thank you, Ethan. I had a great time. Thank you so much to Felice Cohen for being a guest on today's show. You can find the notes from today's episode, as well as the links and resources mentioned at thetinyhouse.net slash Felice. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you this week by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the guide I wish I had when I built my tiny house, and it comes in three different packages to help you get a jump start on your planning. Save hundreds of hours of research and thousands of dollars on your build with Tiny House Decisions. You can learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. We're offering a special discount for podcast listeners. Use the coupon code TINY to take 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY for 20% off. That's all, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.